As you know, we're doing a little something different this summer, just simply calling it uh, the Summer Playlist, and a uh, few of us um, kind of sharing this area up here. Larry and Jenna have been gone two weeks. They had two different family weddings over in California, and so Aaron and Amber went with them, and, and so they were able to get some time away and also be with some family they don't normally get to be with, but um, so that's why you have me today, and uh, really the the, the intent, thank you, thank you, I'll pay you later, I don't have it on me, do you take credit card? Um, but uh, really, they, for me, I, I'm just excited because the Lord kind of does these little, teaches me in themes, and, and so what you're getting today is just kind of something that the Lord's been teaching me. If you were on the Sholo mission trip, then you got a little bit of it there, and um, some stuff that we did, and, um, but uh, it, it has to do with interruptions, and so what goes through your mind when I say the word interruption? Do, you, uh, do interruptions annoy you? Are they the evil thing that is to be avoided uh, at all costs? Do you consider them the enemy that uh, keeps you from staying on task in your day? You know, interruptions can come in different forms. It can be something big, a, a tragedy, like the death of a loved one or, or a lost dream something you thought was going to happen or how you thought your life was going to turn out and it didn't turn out that way and that's that's hard to get through I, a couple years ago i got an early morning call from my dad that my mom didn't wake up it interrupted my life i think differently about some things now especially my time with my dad uh, that i get each week or has your day been interrupted by something, maybe a little smaller, but certainly annoying, a flat tire or you know, lots of traffic that keep you from an appointment? Or if you have young children, maybe in your mind it's like, I can't remember the last time I had an uninterrupted night of sleep. And, and I get that. I, I've definitely been there. Interruptions mean something different to each one of us. I have a definition of an interruption. To stop or hinder by breaking in to break the sameness or course of. I think most of the time we think of interruptions as being a negative thing. They're things that happen to us that keep us from meeting our, our goals or our tasks, right? I often uh, look at interruptions a lot like rest stops on the highway when traveling with my family why would I stop? I'm not at my destination, right guys? I mean, you know, I, I'm in a race. I mean, there, there is a race on I-17 when I'm going to flag. I mean, we never, the, we never talk about it, but you know those other cars that are in the race with you. I mean, they're, they're passing you and, and a rest stop? No way, I'm not stopping because I just passed 10 cars in a row and if I pull over, they're all going to pass me, right? Come on, guys, give me a little love. I mean, you, you know what I'm talking about, okay? This is a, we've got a goal here, and why would we, you know, why would we pull over? Now, with four children, needless to say, I had a high statistical probability of having at least one person in my family with a small bladder. And so through a lot of therapy, um, I've learned to put up with those evil roadway interruptions called rest stops, but... Um, is that how you look at interruptions in your day? Are interruptions to be avoided at all costs? Well, today we're going to look at interruptions in our day and 
and the fact that sometimes interruptions can be good. They can give us a different perspective. These interruptions can be major life events or it can just be a short, unexpected conversation in, the, in a line at a grocery store. But big or small interruptions can be used by the Lord to mold us. Have you ever had that kind of interruption? The kind of interruption or unexpected event that changes your perspective about a, a certain situation? Or that causes you to change your current life plans? Or causes you to demonstrate compassion to another person? I like to call these divine interruptions. Leadership guru Stephen, Co Stephen Covey encourages leaders uh, to distinguish between the urgent and important, focusing on those activities that are important because they produce re results that uh, help us to our goal or our mission or our, um, our values. And strong leaders are proactive, not reactive, and they don't um, let interruptions, interruptions get them off of task. Now, I'm it's not my intent to undermine this philosophy at all because it is valid. Um, in fact, I'm a list maker. I love checking things off of my list. I have read several of Stephen Covey's books. I did Time Systems, which was a big time planner way back before he even bought it. And you know, so I'm a planning guy. I plan out my day, my, my week, my month. Um, and I probably get a little too much joy checking things off of my list. But I must tell you that I have noticed over the years that much of what God has for us happens to us when we least expect it. God is full of surprises, and he is drawn to the ordinary, and he never makes appointments. Ministry, the kind that impacts people when they need it most, often happens during divine interruptions. Here are a couple of examples of when Jesus felt the freedom to interrupt others. Early in his ministry in Mark, first chapter of Mark, he um, encounters two brothers, Simon and, and Andrew, and they're fishermen, and they are fishing. That's what they do. And he interrupts them in the midst of them doing their job, and he says, follow me, in verses 17 and 18, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and they followed him. John 5 records one of my favorite interruptions by Jesus. We'll look at verses 6 through 9, but verses 1 through 5 kind of set up the situation. Jesus is in Jerusalem. He's at a sheep gate, a pool, um, it's called Bethesda and it had these covered colonnades and it was believed that um, the, the sick and the lame, the people that needed healed would hang out there because it was believed that an angel would periodically dip their finger into the waters and when they were stirred the first to be into the pool would be healed of their ailment and so Jesus encounters a man uh, who had been an, in there an, an invalid there for 38 years and when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there for a long time, he said to him, do you want to be healed? And the sick man answered him, sir, I have no one to put me into the pool 
when the water is stirred up, and while I am going, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, Get up, pick up your bed, and walk. And at once the man was healed, and he took up his bed, and he walked. This man had a plan, and he was sticking to it, whether it worked or not. For 38 years, he lived in a system that was built on the philosophy, I don't want you to get well, because if you get well, I don't. And Jesus interrupts this system, which there was certainly a culture going on there of selfishness and me first. Jesus interrupts this system, and he just simply tells the man, get up. Pick up your mat and walk. Not only was Jesus willing to interrupt others, but he was also willing to be interrupted as well. In fact, as you read through the Gospels, many of Jesus' miracles are the result of him being interrupted while he's on his way to do something else. In John 4, I'll just run through some things here quickly. John 4, while he's on his way to Galilee, he stops at a well for a drink. He's tired and weary from his journey, and he has a conversation with a woman. She's had some relationship problems. She'd just as soon keep this talk as pretty shallow. She just wants to talk about, hey, how do you think you're going to get water out of this deep well? You don't have anything to get water in. Jesus knows, though. He knows that she needs some healing in her life. And he proceeds to tell her everything about her life. And her heart is healed. And she goes back and she gives testimony about Jesus. And it says, and many received Jesus, believed in Jesus because of this woman's testimony, because of this interruption on his journey. John 9, we read, while he walked along, he saw a man born blind, and Jesus healed him. In Mark chapters 4 and 5, it's an interruption fest for Jesus. In Mark 4, it starts off with Jesus teaching a very large crowd by the Sea of Galilee, and then in verse 35, while he's crossing the Sea of Galilee, out in the middle, he, a huge storm comes, and he demonstrates his power over nature. And he continues, <coughs> and when he gets to the other side, he's greeted by a man who has a demon possession. He's demon-possessed. And after a conversation with this man, he, he casts the spirits out, gets back in the boat. They go back to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. He's greeted by a crowd again, and then it's, he's interrupted by a synagogue leader named Jairus. And Jairus has a 12-year-old daughter who's dying. And Jairus asks if Jesus would come and lay hands on his daughter. And Jesus agrees. So he's on his way to Jairus' house. Jairus is an important guy. If you're starting a ministry, heal an important guy's daughter. That's, that's pretty good on your resume. So Jesus is on his way to res, uh, Jairus' house. And he's interrupted again by a woman who's had a bleeding hemorrhage for 12 years. As the text reads, she doesn't even say anything to him. She just thinks, if I can touch the master's cloak, I'll be healed. And she does. And she is. And Jesus, sensing that power had flowed out of him, turns and asks, who is it that touched me? And she steps forward. And in verse 33, we read that he takes the time 
to listen to her whole story. Twelve years of disappointment, of pain, of sorrow. He's on his way to keep a girl from dying, and he takes the time to sit and listen to her whole story. And while he's listening to her story, some guys from Jairus' house come and say, you know what, don't bother the master anymore. Your daughter is dead. And so did Jesus take too long? Were there too many interruptions? Jesus assures Jairus, no, I'm in control. And he continues on his journey and he raises Jairus' daughter from the dead. Interruptions can come in many forms. I mentioned a few earlier. Could be a tragedy. Those things that happen to us and we have no control over it. Could be heavy traffic that keeps us from missing an appointment or a child that's sick and changes your vacation plans. But what about those interruptions from people who have a need and we encounter them in our day? We're really, we, have a re, we have a choice whether to respond or not. The neighbor who suffers the death of a loved one and needs help with that process and maybe they don't have any other family members in town and they just need your help during that time. Or their car breaks down and they need to borrow yours. Or a friend who's struggling and calls you in the middle of the night and just needs to talk and you've got a big presentation the next day. Or someone who needs a place to live and you don't necessarily have room for it, but you let them come live with you. Or a stranger with broken down on the side of the road and their vehicle and they need help and, and maybe you're not the one to physically respond, but maybe you can help them get someone who can. The list is endless of potential interruptions in our day. Is it possible that interruptions are not just simply obstacles to our plans, but God giving us opportunities to be involved with his plans. Does God really interrupt us in this way? I believe he does. I believe he does. And why? Because he's a matchmaker. He is always matching needs with resources. He knows those who are in need of encouragement, of compassion, of assistance, of comfort, and those who will cross their paths. Tirelessly, God works to bring those who are in need with those who can meet that need. Have you ever looked at interruptions that way? More like opportunities? And no doubt, if we took the time with this crowd could share dozens and dozens of stories of times when you were in need and God brought the perfect person into your path that day to help out with that need. I think that our greatest witness for his kingdom often comes when we demonstrate God's love, grace, and mercy through divine interruptions. So how do we prepare ourselves to respond appropriately when divine interruptions come. Jesus shows us some valuable principles in Matthew chapter 14, verses 13 and 14. Just two short passages today, but I think there's some just great uh, principles that he shows us. And 
just to set up this situation, um, Jesus uh, has just come off of a lot of teaching. He was teaching through parables um, in verse 13. And in verse 14, he actually gets um, some pretty bad news that uh, John the Baptist has been killed. And uh, he's had a pretty long day. And we pick it up in verse 13. It says, And when Jesus heard this, meaning that John the Baptist had been killed, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. And when he went ashore, he saw the great crowd, and he had compassion on them. And he healed their sick. Jesus models three things that I think are critical in preparing ourselves to respond appropriately to divine interruptions. The first one is, put on your oxygen mask first. You've probably heard that before. Jesus regularly spent time alone with his Father. He knew that he couldn't let himself become too tired or weary. Regular time with his Father was critical for him to be in a place where he could respond appropriately to the needs of the people that he would encounter. He took care of himself. When you fly on an airplane, the flight attendant instructs you to put on your oxygen mask first before helping others. Why? Because if we run out of oxygen, we can't help anyone. It's the same in our daily lives. If we run around taking care of everything and everyone before ourselves, we can experience burnout, stress, fatigue, anxiety, frustration, be short-tempered, loss of sleep. We won't be of any help to anyone. That's why it's critical that we get regular time alone with our Lord in prayer and, and reading His Word. And also for us, taking care of ourselves physically and emotionally and taking care of those most treasured relationships in our lives. This is what it means to put on our oxygen mask first. I think sometimes it's so easy to want to help other people, but yet we really haven't taken care of ourselves. Secondly, be on the lookout. Jesus, it seems, was always on the lookout for those that were in need. Because he had taken care of himself, he was ready to respond to those interruptions. No one would have questioned if he would have said, you know what, it's been a long day. My friend has just been killed, and I just don't feel like being bothered today. No one would have questioned. But because he had taken care of himself, he was ready. And that's not to say that we should exhaust ourselves in responding to every single need. No, it is important that we put on our oxygen mask first and submit ourselves to the Lord so that we're able to discern those things that the Lord wants us to respond to. Number three, respond with compassion. Even after losing his friend, he still responded with compassion. 
Once again, he could have asked for a pass on this one, but he doesn't. He had compassion on them, and he healed their sick. And we even see that he asked them to stick around for dinner. All 5,000 men plus women and children. I'd have gone home and taken a nap (laughs) at that point. I think responding with compassion is often the hardest part of this because I can be pretty critical. Uh, I've been burned enough by people to justify looking the other way when I pull up to the street light, the traffic light, and there's someone there with a sign. I'm pretty good at acting like I'm busy. Besides, I have four kids of my own, and, and I am pretty busy. But the bottom line is that I just flat out think that my time is too important to be interrupted by others sometimes. Which is why it's so important that I put on my oxygen mask first. Because getting regular time with the Lord and reflecting how the Lord interrupted my life and broke, healed me from my brokenness and how he brings people into my life, that restores my soul and puts me in a right place and, and helps me get over myself so that I'm in a place that I can respond as God brings people into my life. Is God trying to get your attention? Has God tried to match you with someone in need recently? Are you ignoring God or offering excuses on why you can't respond? When was the last time you had a divine interruption, but you passed it off as just an obstacle to be avoided? I wonder what you missed. I wonder what that other person missed. A week doesn't go by that I don't hear of a story of someone here at North whose life has been blessed by someone else at North. You know, whether it's uh, financial help or someone needs help moving or some minor construction or or someone's ill and they need meals, Um, someone's uh, in a marriage crisis and and people coming alongside them. Uh, We recently had a family here at North. take in a young woman who didn't have a place to live. And in spite of the fact they have three children of their own, they now have four. They considered it a divine interruption. and I thought That was what they were supposed to do. And I'm definitely a, a work in progress in this area. Uh, for any given week, I know that I miss several opportunities. Uh, I miss several divine interruptions But sometimes I do get it right, and I am always blessed. A couple of years ago, I was on a flight from Atlanta to Phoenix. Tired from a conference, I just wanted to get home. I just wanted to be with my family. There was a woman with three kids who boarded the plane. And there was commotion as she was coming on because she had a stroller with a a baby in it and and she didn't realize you couldn't bring a stroller onto the plane. And so you could see that the flight attendants were trying to help her. Oh, you gotta fold this thing up, it's gotta go blow. And and so she finally um, sits down and uh, 
you know, to, as the flight takes off, she's got a couple of boys, probably four and six, and, and then she's got her baby, and here's the mom trying to handle all three of these kids, and the boys are there just rambunctious, they're climbing all over things, they're going up and down the aisles, and it is just crazy, and she obviously does not have a handle on this, um, and it's a fairly long flight from Atlanta, and mid-flight, I'm sitting near this family, and, and this odor starts, uh, you know, coming, and, and, you know, and a couple of minutes go by, you can kind of, oh, they'll figure it out, <laughs> you know, well, it's obvious she doesn't have a diaper, and people are now going up and down the aisle trying to find a diaper, and people are getting mad and saying things to her, and, and it, it's kind of embarrassing. Um, but uh, can you picture it? <laughs> have you been there? Can you smell it? Um, have, you, have you been on that kind of, in that situation? Um, well, let me take you back to what happened leading up to that flight. That morning, she had been beaten up by her boyfriend again. She'd finally gotten enough courage to pack up the kids and leave. She had no place in Atlanta that she felt safe, so she just simply drove to the airport. Although she had never flown on an airplane in her life, she parked the car and she walked into the Atlanta airport. It, hadn't, it had been a while since she had spoken to her mom, who lived in Arizona, but she just thought, if I can just get to the Phoenix airport, I'll call my mom, and hopefully she'll come and get me. So she purchased three one-way tickets to Phoenix and made her way to the gate. That's when Katrina and her children interrupted my life. Several of our staff, we were in Atlanta at a conference. And as we were waiting at the gate for our flight to Phoenix, we heard this commotion of these two rambunctious boys coming into the gate area, followed by this mom who was obviously frazzled, pushing a stroller with a baby. And they come into the area, and the boys are just running around all over the place. And they are thirsty, they're hungry, they got to go to the bathroom, and here's this mom Obviously, she did not know how to navigate what was going on. And, and so um, we just started helping out. Uh, there was uh, no way that we could um, ignore her. And so a couple of our female staff started talking to her and playing with the baby. And I think Wes, you know, the boys are kind of doing this little thing. They're doing the dance. And Wes, hey, uh, I got to go to the bathroom. Can I take your boy? Absolutely. Thank you. You know, and so Wes is taking care of the boys. And we're talking to the mom, and, and um, you know, it, once again, it is obvious, she has no chance. <laughs> and I just sense the Lord saying, you guys got to help. So, and, and, and granted, you just got to, this is all that people are looking at in the gate. I mean, there's so much activity going on of these boys running around, and, and so, so I just walked up to the ticket agents, and, and went to this, this woman has no idea. She doesn't know how to do this. She doesn't know Oh, she can board her. You know, she doesn't know any of that. So I just walk up to the agent and I said, hey, you see what's going on here? Hey, you know, we're going to help. How can we help? Can, can I board with her boys early? Is that okay? Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you so much for doing that. Yes, we need to get them. 
out of this gate area. So I board with the boys early, and, and then, you know, the, the mom gets on, and so there's that commotion of she's pushing her kid in the stroller and doesn't realize she has to give up that stroller when she gets on there, and that gets put underneath the airplane, and she gets to her seat, and I'm there with the boys, and they're climbing over seats, and then she kind of whispers, she kind of, sorry, we left so fast this morning, I forgot to get my son's pills for his ADHD. Okay, well, that's, that's what's coming out. Okay, he, that's not his fault, but that's what I'm flying with, so here we go, and, and um, so I'm trying to have fun with them, and the rest of our staff is kind of stepping in and, and walking the boys down the aisle, you know, and, and trying to have fun with them, and we've got the, the mom with the baby, and the baby's crying, and all this commotion's going on, and then mid-flight, there's the smell. Okay, mom realizes, once again, she's never been on a plane before. All the diapers are on the stroller underneath the airplane. She had no idea. So, I think Kirsten and Sherry, they're walking up and down the aisle asking people, hey, do you have an extra diaper? It ended up not being one. But people are getting angry. People are looking at me. They think I'm part of this, folks. I'm getting dirty looks. Sherry Campbell is sitting in the back of the airplane with a gal that, of course, she's gotten to know her whole life story, and I think the lady was in kid stuff after that. But watching all this, and the lady leans over and says, boy, her husband should have planned a lot better before bringing those boys on this plane. So Sherry tells her the rest of the story, and that woman had a much different perspective on what was happening. We got her whole story, including the part that she had a pretty difficult relationship with obviously this boyfriend, and he'd beat her up their entire relationship. Didn't have a great relationship with her mom. But, uh, you know, we just told her after hearing her story that, you know what, we're going to help. Uh, we're not sure what that means, but when we get off this airplane, if you need a ride to Apache Junction where your mom lives, you know, we're going we're gonna to do that. If you can't get a hold of her, we're going to get you a hotel, and we're going to help you figure this out, but you will not be alone. And she was pretty overwhelmed with gratitude, and when we got off the plane while waiting for her bag, she called her mom, and thank you, Jesus, her mom was excited to see her and her grandkids, and mom came down, and we were able to help load them, and um, after they left, at some point, uh, I, I just was thankful that the Lord, that her mom answered the phone and came and got her. My friends, this uh, is a divine interruption. There was no question that we needed to help Katrina and her children that day. And although we've never heard from Katrina uh, and her children, we know that they got a glimpse of Jesus' love, grace, and mercy that day. And we trust that he will continue to reveal himself to her by people who love Jesus and intersect her life in the future. My perspective changed that day, for I've been in plenty of situations where I cast a judgment on a situation where someone was making my situation a little less comfortable without considering what they were going through. 
Our encounter that day with Katrina and her children was no doubt a divine interruption, and it taught me some valuable lessons that I hope I never forget. If you come into my cubicle, I've got a little shelf there, and I have this little red car that sits on my shelf in my cubicle. <clears throat> About mid-flight, this was thrown at me and hit me in the right temple. And then I tried to figure out, hey, let's find different ways of playing with the car on the airplane. And, and uh, where's Wes, in fact? Where's um, so after a, a couple flings across the air, uh, airplane, I, I put it in my pocket. And then in the chaos of getting them in their grandma's car, I just forgot about it. And I get home, and I'm going I'm to keep that. <laughs> that is a good reminder. Whose life have you interrupted? Who's allowed God to interrupt their life when you have been in need? Where would you be today without those people? And the next time your life gets interrupted, instead of being frustrated, look at it as an opportunity to reflect the compassion of your Savior. Let me pray. Lord, we are, we are a grateful people. Thank you, Father, for interrupting our lives, for, for interrupting human history and living and dying and raising for our sins. What a demonstration of love. But Lord, thank you that you continue to interrupt our lives and, and you continue to provide opportunities, Lord, where you want to intersect with us. You want to either match us with someone who's in need or you, you see our need and you're going to match us up with someone who can meet that need and, and in there you are glorified, Lord. I pray that we would have eyes to see that this week. Thank you, Father. Pray in Christ's name. Amen.